I used to be one of those kind of people. You know, those people who find all kinds of errors with how Christmas is often portrayed in Christmas cards and in Christmas movies and everything that goes with it. I was one of those kind of people who would say, well, the actual date of Christmas is not and couldn't possibly be December 25th. There's no possible way that we could actually know when Jesus was born, and it was probably more than likely actually sometime in the spring. I was one of those people that would remind us that it's not that there was no room for Joseph and Mary in the inn or the hotel or motel. It was that there was no room for them in the upper room. The upper room was the guest room in which first century Palestinians had um, their guests come to stay. I would be the first to point out that Jesus wasn't born in a cave or in a barn, because outbuildings of that sort only existed for the wealthy who could afford guards and to build fences around their property. I would be the first to point out that the wise men were probably not at the nativity, but came sometime afterward, up to two years after Jesus' birthday, and we really don't know how many wise men there are, no matter what the songs tell us. And they're better understood not as astrologers, but as, I mean, not as wise men, but as astrologers. And they weren't really kings. Maybe they were royal ambassadors. I was one of those people because the study of history is important to me. And I saw my job as trying to set the record straight to make sure that history was being accurately represented by Hallmark and everyone else at this Christmas time. I saw it as my job to clear away the sentimentality that often clouds Christmas time. Now I'll be the first to admit that no one really likes those kind of people, no matter how right they are. And there is importance to making sure things are historically accurate, but I kind of was missing the point in all of my protestations against the historical inaccuracies of Christmas. History is important, but does having all the exact historical details all in precise order, does that really add anything of significance to our celebration this day? No, not really. It can actually, I found in my own experience, lead to downplaying the story of Christmas because there's so much we don't know and what little we can know with historical certainty doesn't really lend a lot of credibility. It can lead us to become historically agnostic about what happened, and then to become very skeptical about Christmas and how it's portrayed. But as I said, this kind of historical accuracy does very little. Again, it's not that history is not important, but the point in our gathering today to celebrate the nativity of Jesus is to understand that he is Lord of all history. He is the Lord of time and eternity. And he breaks into human history. He stands as a reference point to all that is of ultimate historical significance. So history is important, but it's not the main thing. The point of Christmas is expressed not in how we arrange our creche, though it's, you know, it's, Fairly accurate. I mean, the, the barn is a problem. The wise men are at least on their way, so that's, that doesn't really matter, does it? What really matters, the point of Christmas is expressed in what we are doing here tonight. 
in the liturgy of the church, the how, the when, and the why of how, when, and why the church tells the story of Jesus' birth. The when. Well, the when is just after the season of Advent. Advent is the beginning, as I've said before, of the church's year. It's a time of preparation, a time of getting ready for the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ at Christmas, the coming of Christ as he promises to come again at his second coming, but also the coming of Christ into our hearts and lives every day. The season of Advent takes on important symbolic significance, not just because of the spiritual preparation, but because of the time and the year in which it happens. The summer, I mean, the winter solstice was just uh, three days ago. It's the time of the year that has the shortest amount of natural sunlight. So you can see why the church in its wisdom has designated Christmas to fall shortly around the time or after the winter solstice. Because the dawning of light that is so poetically and mystically explained by John in our gospel reading is a light breaking into the darkness. Put it this way. Could you imagine having a Christmas Eve service in July? when the sun would still be shining through the windows right now, it kind of changes the mood or the atmosphere, doesn't it? So it doesn't matter if Jesus was really born on December 25th. What matters is the significance of what's happening in our world, in the natural order of things. That the Lord of all creation is coming to shine his light and his life among us who sit in the darkness. Literally, it's pretty dark outside right now, but also figuratively, symbolically, in the darkness of sin, and the darkness of everything that is wrong in our world, and I'm not going to repeat the litany of everything that's wrong in the world. We gather liturgically to express the how, how Jesus comes to meet us. He comes to meet us in word and sacrament. The details of Christmas are very sparse in the Bible. Mark doesn't even talk about Jesus' birth. Jesus shows up on the scene as an adult. John, as we've said, does not, or we just read from the Gospel reading, he does not begin with the story of the Nativity. Matthew and Luke do. But the details that they offer are actually quite sparse because they are not interested in offering a historical, factual, accurate representation in the way that we expect things to be told. Rather, the gospel writers are focused on one thing, telling the story of God with us, the God who has promised to come and the God who does come in a completely unexpected way, a God who comes to fulfill the prophecies made about him to come as an infant, born in Bethlehem. And the significance there is symbolic, it's important because the word Bethlehem means the house of bread. The bread from heaven is born in the city of David, the house of bread. The living bread from heaven comes down to a manger, the place where animals eat. And anyone who knows a little bit of French will tell you that if you speak manger with a French accent, manger becomes manger. To manger, is to eat. 
Of course we eat the bread of life. Of course we eat the bread of heaven. Because he has come down to us so that we may eat of him in his life. But why? Why would he come? Jesus comes to us as one of us. He comes to us to reclaim his own. But the only way we would recognize him as one of us and as belonging to him is for him to come as us, as us, quite literally. Jesus so identifies himself with us in our human condition so that he can return us to the Father. So that if the Father wants the Son, and of course he does, the Son brings us with him so that we may be with the Father. Of course, the best part of Christmas is the presents, right? And I got asked, why are gifts given at Christmas? And I trotted off some standard answer. Well, because Jesus is the gift given to the world, and so we give gifts because we like this gift of Jesus. I I think that's true, but the more I thought about it as an explanation, the more I realized it doesn't really hold a lot of weight. It just becomes a way for us to give gifts. And there's nothing wrong with giving gifts and certainly nothing wrong with getting gifts. And if you want to know my gift list, I can give you my Amazon gift card. I mean, my Amazon wish list. But the point about gifts is so much more. We give gifts, as I said, because it's Jesus's birthday. And therefore, and here's the point, it's our birthday as well. It's our birthday as a new humanity. Think of it this way. The first Adam, we know that story of what happened. Adam and Eve were walking in perfect harmony with God, standing again as symbolic of the entire, of the whole of humanity. And Adam and Eve say no to God. They turn their back to him. And the result is a rupture between God and creation. That wholeness and that peace that were brought together, that were integral to the life of creation, have now been torn apart. A division between heaven and earth, between time and eternity, between God and humanity. But on Christmas, we are reborn because the second Adam is born. The Son begotten of the Heavenly Father is begotten, uh, is also the child that is born of an earthly woman. The breach is now starting to be repaired. Think of what we see at Christmas. A star. And there are, did anyone last year see the star of Bethlehem? It was actually visible. You could see it. It was the alignment of Venus and Jupiter. I I can't remember. But it was in the news. It's a once in the 800 year kind of thing. Sure, it's a natural scientific phenomenon. But it takes on a more important symbolic meaning when we see it in the context of everything else that is going on. A heavenly host, an angel army, appears to some shepherds. And of course, let's not forget all the animals that are involved. We see all of creation singing the praise of God. That heaven and earth are now being brought back together in the birth of this child, of this God-man. They celebrate and sing because hope and healing are here. Jesus was born as a child so that we may be reborn as children of God. That is why we celebrate and give gifts. 
the Word of God, eternal and omnipotent, the creator of all things, is born as a wordless infant. The God who created and holds all things together is held in a manger, is held in the arms of his earthly mother and father. What humility, what a gift, what a source of joy. And why? For you, all for you. Glory be to God. Amen.